So you're a twin. Yes, I am. And your sibling is also a cinephile? She's getting into it, yeah. Like, just, like, newly getting into it? Yes, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And, like, are, do your tastes overlap, or do you have, like, vastly different tastes? I think I've had a huge influence on my, my sister's um, taste in film. Okay. I... And I take pride in that. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I'll be honest saying that we are relatively new to mm. the whole film thing. We, we've watched film all our life. Yeah. Um, but like I've, I've noted on my letterbox yeah, profile, yeah. Is I, I really only started paying attention recently. So it's uh, it's a very deep well. Uh, I, I I envy both of you because there's like so much that you get to see for the first time, and so much will work so wonderfully for the first time. And um, there's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool people to meet uh, as as part of it. So I, I guess you know the, the 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 end of that, of course, has to be you got to start bringing her out to this stuff. Oh yes, so. I I definitely. Will. Yeah. Are you the older twin or the younger twin? Five minutes older. About five minutes. <laughs> Your mother probably complains about those five minutes, I'm sure. <laughs> Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 194, for sure this time, of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie-loving podcast on my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Years ago, when film conversation was more long form and less on uh, short bursts in social media, I was really, really active in terms of finding new voices and new people to interact with. And as time changed and, and it became more about short bursts and short little interactions, uh, I, I, I must admit that I strayed from that. So it's, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of fitting that we're still in the early stages of this year and uh, you know at this point of my blogging life and my movie-loving life that I'm getting back to reaching out to, uh, to people I don't know, to people who are only avatars and usernames and uh, you know accounts on, across social media and saying, hey, you seem cool. Uh, why don't you come on out and, and meet some people? Because that's uh, that's what's going to happen today. Today, I I went looking, knowing that I wanted to talk about the movie that we're going to discuss on this episode, and got to a point where I was like, well, who's seen it? And started looking across my social media feeds, and I came across today's guests. And along with saying, hey, do you want to do this show? It also spiraled into, hey, do you want to come meet some people? So, we are on the scene today um, in the interest of getting outside after what's been a very long, cold, dark winter. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it, right now it is quarter to six in Toronto. The sun still hasn't set. It's kind of nice, isn't it? Yes, it's beautiful to see. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the members' lounge at the TIFF Lightbox. I'm going to go see a movie later, but before that, we've got to get an episode in with our new guest, our new friend, Adrian Wilfred is here. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for generously inviting me the other night um, out for drinks before this now, meeting. The question is, now that you've met all those weirdos, will you come back? Because we have had a lot of people be at one and done. No, no, definitely. Nice. Yeah, that was nice. perfect. Very cool. On episode 194, we will be discussing Annihilation. We'll be flipping the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more, or just learn, about Adrian. This is Know Your Enemy. So you've been studying my handiwork, apparently. You've been you've been listening to to you've been working on the cheat sheets and 
seeing what you're getting in for. Uh, so you have a, an inkling as to how this works. Um, but sir, get us going. Uh, what is the first film you can remember seeing in the theater? Okay, so people I grew up with might have a more accurate answer, but my earliest memory in theaters was Disney's Tarzan. Disney's Tarzan? Oh, man, I remember yeah. Disney's Tarzan. The one with Phil Collins? <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't swinging from tree to tree. But let me tell you, I was... I was very convinced when I was younger mm. that that was a horror film. Why? I think when when I was younger, I had an understanding that this is one man who is outside of his, his element. Mm -hmm. And I was so worried that just at any moment, something could go so wrong for him. And he's up against all these animals. And so I was... I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> okay, okay. See, it's it's funny because um, Disney movies have come up a lot as the answer to that question um, whenever I ask it. And a lot of times um, people talk about the darkness in the Disney movies, um, especially the, the very early ones, especially ones like Pinocchio and Fantasia and Dumbo. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I, I, I don't remember the darkness in that movie. Disney kind of dialed it back. After, like... Lion King scarred a whole bunch of millennials. I think they, they're like, okay, we need to turn this down mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, so I can't clearly remember um, if Tarzan is really fraught with peril. I do remember that the bad guy's named Clayton. Uh, I do remember that he hangs around with, like, th there's the gorillas in yes. it. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't Clayton hang out with a tiger? Isn't that his little buddy? I, th I think, well, his main adversary in that film, I, from what I remembered, I thought it was like a cheetah or some sort jaguar. of... Oh, jaguar. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, that, yes, because they're up in the trees. Just the, the thought of him fighting against a jaguar. Yes. I, I knew he didn't, I, at least I believe he yeah. did not stand a chance. And no, no, you wouldn't was, think so. That just terrified I, me as you know, a kid. It's, it's funny because I, I saw that movie. I do remember like, clearly seeing that movie in a theater, no less. I, I think I even owned that soundtrack. Um, <laughs> but I, I barely remember it. Do you remember anything about the experience of going to see it? Like where, or was it, it, was it in the city? Did you grow up in the city? Yes, I did. Okay. I grew up right in the heart of downtown. Okay. Um, for some reason, it's bringing me to somewhere around Sherwood Gardens, but I honestly don't... Is there a theater? There is. There, still, there, oh, there is. is. Yeah, there and is. actually, and that, that's actually where I saw it, too. That's so funny. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, there used to be a multiplex across the road. Okay. Um, that okay. was... And, and, like, for uh, just a few years after that movie, it closed, but... Um, uh, okay. Okay, so, so, like, suburban multiplex experience. <laughs> yes, that's you, Yeah, yeah, where you walk in, and it's just, like, nothing but snacks... <laughs> And yeah, okay. No, okay. I thought I thought those memories were put into my head because again, I, I tried looking up a, like a Cineplex yeah. near Sherwood Gardens and the closest one was the one on Queensway. Are mm -hmm. you familiar with that one? I am and familiar with that one and here's a little trivia because when that one opened the Sherwood Gardens one closed. Oh, they decided, okay. okay, we're done here, we're moving down the street. Alright, alright. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, I, I, I saw many a movie at there. There were many, many a, a, an awkward teenage date at that theater. <laughs> Um, yeah, you would have been a kid. Oh, yes, um, yeah. So, okay, Tarzan, that's a good one. Uh, I can definitely tell you that's the first time that came up. Oh, okay. um, What is the last movie you watched that is not Annihilation? Last film I watched was actually on Sunday I saw Before Sunset with oh, my sister. yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, she had asked me to buy the, the trilogy, mm -hmm. which is my second time buying that trilogy. I gifted it to a friend who had graduated a few years back. And she said, hey, um, I want to watch this. And I said, okay, well, what's this all about? And um, I can say I love it so far. Okay. Um, I've only made it to the second one. Okay. I can't say I enjoy it. Um, I enjoyed the first one. 
but sunset is terribly upsetting. It's, um, so it, again, like, you know, just what I was saying already about, you know, your foray into, into cinema appreciation and the movies you get to see for the first time, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, that's, that's a great one, um, watching that for the first time, um, it's, that one is so bittersweet, right? Like, the first one is just straight up sweet. It's a little... Yes, yes. It's a little strange in, in, during, a, during a Me Too moment that people, you know, still kind of harass people uh, on, on trains. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that was kind of romantic once upon a time. Now it's like, buddy, boundaries. Um, but, um, but, yeah, that second movie where nine years have gone by yes. and they're both they're both doing well like the, the crazy thing is you don't really feel bad for either one of them they're both yeah. doing great you know like successful mm-hmm. nice successful white people um as as is as is usually the case in, in, in early 2000s um but they're both just like kind of laced with this level of regret mm-hmm. um and yeah, and, and at the time, of course, we didn't know that there was going to be another one. Now that you know that there's another oh, one... Oh, that would have been crazy. No, yeah, you had just... no idea. No idea that there was going to be another one of these. Mm-hmm. You thought that, that was just the end. So, yeah. so the end you saw, mm-hmm. at the time that I saw it, I was like, that is the perfect ending. I never mm-hmm. want to see these people again. I yeah. don't want to hear anything about it. I want to have it in my mind of where, where this goes. No clue. How did, like, did, you, you, did you dig it? Oh, oh yes. Okay. I, Otherwise, I, the show would have been a fast end. <laughs> I absolutely dug it. Um, I, I, I did appreciate the second one mm-hmm. uh, until a certain point, if you call it car ride. Yeah. Where everything just sort of spills out, and they're they're pouring out their true emotions. And oh man, I had a, it was hard to sit and watch. Yeah, that. it's it, yeah, and 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 that's that's one of the things I love about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's oh, that's such a and. Yeah, I, 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 I envy the, the both of you. I think, you know what's funny? I think I knew that because I saw your sister's letterbox feed. Yes, you will see every <laughs> once in a while. We will log the same films yeah. together. Okay, so. okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching for that. With, with me, it's, it's usually me and the wife. If, if You'll see, like, our ours will come up, like, two at the same time. So I'm going to start, I'm going to have you both, and I'm going to, like, watch for right. two of the same posters to come up. When, when are you guys going to sit and watch the third, though? Um, she's in New York right now. Okay, so you got and, um, So she will be coming back on Saturday, and we will sit down and watch it. So. There will be a quiz. Um, <laughs> okay. All right, uh, tell us, tell us, sir, what is one of the worst films you've ever seen? Okay, I must say about myself, I do not hold grudges on films that I don't enjoy. You'll grow out um, of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, I, I haven't dove too deep into things. So. Oh, that, that's the other thing. It'll come. <laughs> so, uh, more most recently, I can remember absolutely hating Table Nineteen. Have you seen it? The no. Anna Kendrick. Oh, that um, movie. Okay. It had Craig Robinson, Lisa yeah, Kudrow, and yeah. and Stephen Merchant, and yeah. Bellboy from Grand Budapest Hotel, and I just I thought there was so much promise there. No. It, no. Did you? You've no, seen? No, I didn't know. Oh, I, I didn't get to it. So no, like now, now watch me go. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's a comedy. Is it funny? No, it, it is not funny at all. And I think the jokes just feel very dated. And I dated think they, from two years ago. <laughs> yeah, I like that. dated from two yeah. years ago. A lot's Can't changed. Believe? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, I saw it right after it released. Mm. I'm, I'm a huge Anna Kendrick fan, but oh, okay. I think the cast had so much promise and. What they did with that film is they drop in a bunch of dramatic twists. Okay. I guess to feel like, oh, maybe this isn't just a comedy, guys. It could be a drama, too. And mm-hmm. I think it just totally messed it up. And I think 
when I say I hate a film, mm-hmm. it's not more about the quality, but maybe my expectations versus versus what it presents. Yeah, and, that's um, um, that's a that's kind of a fine line, right? Because mm-hmm. you you start thinking about what a film, what you want a film to be versus what it is, and it may never have had that intention. Yes, so sometimes yeah. it, sometimes it's getting past that. Other times you think to yourself. Well, if you had have been what I thought you were going to be, that you would have been really interesting. You chose to be something else, and <laughs> I just can't square myself with that. Yeah. Um, it's it, like I think that was one of these ones that was like kind of a Sundance, or like I think that was a festival movie. Oh, was so, it really? I think I really think just because of where it fell in the schedule, oh, okay. and those are sometimes very hit or miss. There's a lot of times mm. where those kind of movies really work. And really kind of go on to latch and make you think about some interesting things. And there's other times where it's just, it probably should have died on the vine, <laughs> but they were already too, yeah, too, no, di- too far it, down the rabbit it hole. It might have had redeeming qualities, mm-hmm. but again, my, my disappointment usually overrides okay. those kind of things. Okay. <laughs> um, well, you kind of primed us for this one by talking uh-huh. about how you are new into the, uh, into the whole genre. And, Experience, but um, so far, what is a classic or essential that you have not yet seen? Oh gosh, there are so many, okay. Ryan. Okay. Um, <laughs> if I had to choose one, because I have, I have so many. <laughs> um, I guess I'd say Rain Man. That's an interesting one to choose. Yeah, I, I. Okay. There's lots of references to it. I always hear about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, there, there's still so many. I, okay. I haven't seen. The original Star Wars trilogy. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's that. That's that comes get... out. A lot of people don't know that because I have picked up with all the other Star Wars films, and I sort of just fill in the pieces. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because so we're, we're, we'll we'll talk about both of those. We'll we'll, we'll treat this as like one <laughs> four film answer. Um, we'll start with Rayman because you brought that up first. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually watching funny you should mention that because I was actually watching a film from that year last night I was watching The Accidental Tourist which was also nominated for Best Picture Yes, yeah. and all these films from 1988 like that and Mississippi Burning and um, there's like the, that entire class of movies is just they're all still pretty good but they're they don't feel they feel very old all of a sudden it's strange because you wouldn't think like you know 30 years is a long time yeah in film but you talk to most people um and they probably say like oh 19 oh that's not that old all right sure let's throw it on i'm sure it's a lot of a lot of it is modern but Mm -hmm. so much of its sensibility is like the end of reagan era America, uh, right? Mm-hmm. So Rain Man is a for instance, yeah, it, it's kind of become a, a shorthand. It's become a meme. Um, <laughs> it's a very different type of movie than you would see made now. Mm-hmm. Um, even just the actors in it, like Dustin Hoffman has, well, Dustin Hoffman has become something very different, unfortunately. <laughs> as of recent. Um, yeah, as of, as, of, as of very recent, you know, Tom Cruise is something very different than he used to be. Um, and, and it's a it's a best picture winner, and that's it's it's a very low boil mm-hmm. um, best picture winner. Just grown ups talking, basically. You know, oh. it, there's it, there's there's no action scene. The the emotional climax is very muted, um, and it's the kind of thing that somebody would watch it and go, "Best picture, really? Oh no, I mean, wait, it must have been a quiet year." Was so. was that something people thought 
Oh no, when at the it, time everybody oh, was like, oh my god, look at this movie, look at this, oh, look at okay. Dustin Hoffman portraying this autistic guy, and look at Tom Cruise not playing the the, 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 the cocky pilot anymore, <laughs> um, you know, and it was something different for everybody, and uh, it was this, uh, this story of like brothers on the road. Um, it's, I'd be interested, if you ever do get around to it, I'd be interested how it plays oh, now. Yeah. They're, like, I... I really can't remember the last time I went back to it. I, I probably should. Okay. Uh, because I'm sure it plays very different to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the Star Wars movies, I mean, a lot of the major beats are just kind of part of the pop culture lexicon. You know, mm-hmm. like if I if I if I said that we blew up a Death Star, you knew what I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but there's all these great little story beats in between, and all these little moments of of humor that work really well. There's some moments that are really strange, and I do still believe in those original three films, not in a way that I'm beholden to them, but in a way that I think that those three are well made. Um, did you? And boy, did you see the others? Like you saw one, yeah, two, three. I, I've seen the, the new trilogy. I've followed along. And then with, you saw the new, like the, the new ones the that are J-J, probably okay. The JJ trilogy, the JJ ones, and, so. and, and okay. So <laughs> it's funny because right before the Force Awakens came out. Um, I got a chance to watch the first six together in a theater on one day, wow. one to six on one day, and it was for for some of them it was my first time seeing them in a big screen. Yes, yeah, that's right. Other and it was also the last time I could possibly do all of those in a day. Like we started at ten in the morning, mm-hmm. we took a forty five minute break for dinner, and we still finished at like quarter after midnight. Now oh that there's my. three more. You just can't do it. There's just yeah. not enough hours in the day. Um, I will be curious if you like when and if you get to them. How you think they play in kind of comparison to everything else, mm-hmm. in comparison to the the prequel trilogy and the modern uh, three films as well, um, and see how they work. Um, no, yeah, yeah, I, and, and again, I envy you. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it, and I can't wait. Like, I'm not proud that I haven't seen them um, because I get I've gotten a lot of friends into Star Wars and where do they start the original trilogy right. yep. which is something I may have skipped out on so. <laughs> you're doing alright last but not least what is a film that for any reason you wish you made this this changes okay. from time to time usually does but recent uh, as of recent um, writer director J.C. Chandor mm-hmm. he who I'm a fan of, you know I love his um, A Most Violent Year. Mm-hmm. He had a film with Robert Redford called All Is Lost. Yes, he did. And I'm just so in love with that film. I thought it was incredible. And I think what he we've seen a lot of films where it's just a sole actor. And um, I don't know, I just find it so interesting being able to work with one actor who doesn't have much to bounce off of. And he has to sell his performance to an audience. And I think that is a good example of that. So... Uh, in case you're keeping score at home, this is the second episode in a row where All Is Lost has come up. No um, Not as the answer to that question. Oh, okay. we, we brought it up as a comparison film to um, uh, uh, Cloverfield Paradox, as far as being in a situation where everything goes wrong. Okay. Um, I thought in terms of quality, I no, would have no, 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 asked you for the name <laughs> and her address. Um, oh. That's a, like, a, we, I, I, I don't think enough people saw it. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I I just remember being so enveloped by it, which is a little bit crazy for a film that has four lines. Like there are there are there is very little dialogue. I think mm-hmm. there's actually two spoken lines, and the rest is like intro and conclusion. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting one to say you wish you made because it's it's a lot of 
Like that that script couldn't have been long. Like even though there's a lot that happens, right? Like he he's he's going through a lot of crap out on that boat <laughs> yeah. and in the face of that storm. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is like you have to be you had that director and that writer had to be able to communicate with Redford what he was going for because it's it's got to all be in his body language. It's got yes. you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and and yeah, like. Again, like do you, you're, you're, you know, you mentioned most violent years. Another one, you, you're kind of latched to Chandor as a, as a. Yeah, he, he had Margin Call, which I, I, I thought was movie. so sharp. Yeah, I thought it was it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people would say, oh, it could have used a little more Sorkin, mm-hmm. but I think I think the quality of Chandor that I love the most is his films feel organic. Mm-hmm. They feel very on the ground, and that's what I love about it. And. Uh, all is lost is a beautiful beautifully shot film Mm -hmm. and and it goes back to my i guess fear of um being out of your element Mm. robert redford is not some army hammer kind of guy um we don't know what's gonna happen (laughs) now yes or (laughs) in some pictures of him when he's young all of all is lost and um so you really don't know what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and um I just, I just love that. That's yeah. a great answer. I, mm-hmm. Well done, man. That's, that's very good answers. I look forward, as I said, I like next time you come on, I kind of look forward to like catching up on some of this stuff. It's like, okay, so how are we doing with this? Um, well, there we go. That's a lot about Adrian. Um, we are going to go into the new slang for Annihilation. Um, we're not, I, I don't really talk about spoilers at this point in the show, um, but Annihilation has uh, some big twists and turns towards the end. So we're not going to talk about that if you're worried about going into this film and learning way too much. So please, Please feel free that we're going to talk about details but not get spoilerific. After this, the new slang on episode 194 is Annihilation. I'm feeling happy, so highly evolved. My time's a riddle that will never be solved. Dreaming for something, reaching for something. Just waiting for the sun to carry me. Annihilation is written and directed by Alex Garland. It's based on the book by Jeff Vandermeer of the same name. It stars Natalie Portman, Oscar Isaac, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, and Tova Novotny. Uh, Portman is a biologist named Lena who is military trained. Her husband, named Kane, that's Isaac, is missing in action. Well, mostly. And then at the beginning of this movie, he shows up very confused and very remote. And not long after he comes home, he is quickly snatched back up. This sends Lena on a hunt for the truth, and in so doing, she learns about Area X. She learns about the Shimmer, and she joins the mission that her husband was sent on in the hopes of finding the truth. This is where she is paired up with her team, portrayed by Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, Tava Novotny, and Jennifer Jason Lee, as they search through the Shimmer. In, an, in the quest for answers. To begin the conversation, we need to start with format. And it's not usually where I begin these conversations. I usually begin with theme or idea or some jokey thing that I think is clever. But we have to address format because for the second episode in a row, we are talking about a film that is going to make a quick jump to Netflix. And in this case, It is not a Netflix production that is premiering on the platform. It is getting a very short theatrical run in only a few countries, but most places are going to get it two weeks after it is debuting. 
you, Mr. Adrian, your Twitter feed for a short while, your handle said see annihilation in theaters. So that is where we are going to begin, Pop Quiz Hotshot. Why do you believe that this is a film people should see in a theater? I think through the film, you, you just see how much work Alex and his team put into the atmosphere of this film. And um, I truly do believe it, it's criminal that uh, people, a lot of people won't be able to see it in theaters and sometimes they'll jump straight to their, their TV because they know it is coming to Netflix. And um, again, it's taking away from the experience just the, the amount of dread he's able to instill. And I think the theater experience will truly emphasize that. And again, coming straight to Netflix will take away from that if you choose to watch it on your phone screen or your iPad or maybe your computer monitor. And um, again, just like what my Twitter name says, see Annihilation in theaters. It's an interesting take um, because on the one hand, it's very low boil, right? Like it, Now, there are some huge sequences in this movie. There's mm -hmm. moments where the shimmer just seems to overwhelm us. Uh, by the time we get to the final act, it is just gigantic of a movie. But there's long, long, long stretches where you're watching people sit in the jungle and talk. And I don't mean like sit across vistas. I mean like sit across a campfire and talk. Or you're seeing them sit in a room and talk. Or you're seeing them kind of like wig out introspectively. And um, it's not... You know, in, in that respect, it's not like you're seeing Star Wars. Like, it's not like you're watching intergalactic battles. But where I think you're right in terms of the dread and in terms of why a person should see this in theater is I believe that in a small screen environment, it will lose you. You know, you will, you will look out the window or you will look at what you're pet is doing or somebody will call you from two floors up or from across the room or whatever and say hey did you do blah 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 and you'll just emotionally detach and even if you emotionally detach in this movie for a moment it's going to lose you and that I, that is the part I think that's unfortunate is not the size and the scale and how much you invest because mm -hmm. I've seen people you know we see people who watch a TV show weekly and just ball yes. on their couch right but as far as holding that over two hours and not getting these little breaks mm -hmm. for commercials where you can regroup that's where I think it works best in the theater because it'll, it'll immerse you and it'll hold you um, now you know I, I know the answer to this question but but in general what did you think of Annihilation? I loved it I completely loved it and I think there's been a resurgence of a certain type of genre um, that does have a lot of those long takes and those what, long what genre like just across just, ac across categories. Um, or? Yes, across categories okay. where you you have to be patient. Mm -hmm. um, the film presents itself with these questions, and they ask you to to be patient with it and absorb everything that is on that journey. Um, I, if I were to give an example, um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay. That film required a lot of patience. It did have those long stretches, but again, an experience I had in theaters was those long stretches still had me very tense. Mm -hmm. And um, Annihilation will will require that patience, but now with the Netflix release, without being in that, I don't want to call it prison of a theater, right. you will have those outer distractions or you will be encouraged to say, oh, 
they're just talking. Right. I can kind of look away for a bit. And so, yeah, I think I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was just right up my alley. Yeah, I, I really liked it as well. Um, I I knew a few things about what I was getting into because I had read the book. Um, ah, which I just picked up yesterday. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> I was really wrapped by the actors in this movie um, and the way that they play the big moments and the small moments. There are there are some times where they need to put a lot into their body language. There's other times where they just have to full-on lose it. Um, and the interplay of this group dynamic is really, really interesting because they're, it's, it's th- those are the kind of movies I love. We were talking about this last episode with Cloverfield uh, Paradox in that the group doesn't really get a chance to play off each other very oh, much. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that in this kind of movie is exactly why you go you know this kind of movie or alien or more recently sunshine Mm -hmm. you're looking to see how these personalities mesh and how they conflict right on top of that just the crisis that sends her into this of my husband is a soldier my husband is missing my husband has returned what the hell is going on with my husband Mm -hmm. that in its own in like that opening 15 minutes is incredible yes um because it's, it's a whole other level of dread of somebody who you know so intimately, pardon the pun, um, is off, yeah. right? And, and you can tell just by the way they kiss you that, that they're off. It's, it's a great setup for a movie that I, I think the greatest tragedy of the Netflix platform move is that it's not going to get its proper due. If this movie had it dropped into early April, or Lord knows if it had a drop into August, we would all be getting a chance to see it properly. Yeah. Whereas now it might kind of become this you know, the new version of the DVD that gets passed around to everybody. I know, I there know. are movies that over the years have grown in that kind of way, but I don't think that a movie this big will have that kind of patience. So obviously we both really, really like it. Um, you know, the, the group that they bring together um, was a pretty good group. How did you how did you like like the interplay of the way those women work together? And thought, also and, and Oscar Isaac as well. We'll get to him in a bit, but but starting with, with the women. I thought it was great. I mean writing can only do so much. I truly believe that I mean full credit to Natalie Portman who I feel is always electrifying. Um, especially in those moments of, of dread. Mm-hmm. And um, again you said in the opening fifteen minutes she is wondering what has happened to her husband and I think she really excels in those roles. She, she's um, per- she was perfect for that. Um, in terms of the the group of women, uh, they did bounce off well. I I felt Tessa's character was underutilized. Yeah. Um, maybe that's just me saying that because she was a more familiar face. Mm-hmm. Um, I know um, Gina has Rodriguez. Quite the fan base, but um, I wasn't too familiar. You had mentioned the yeah. If 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 you're coming to this movie hoping to catch up with Jane the Virgin, this is gonna really throw you for a loop because Jane the Virgin is kind of badass in this movie and a little bit unhinged. Fan, fans will be happy though. She she does shine with what she's giving. Oh oh, oh no, she's yeah. incredible. Like if if you're coming to see her as an artist, mm-hmm. oh my god, you're gonna go away so happy because she she gets some really meaty stuff. Yes, yeah, but yeah, the group was. I guess interesting for the most part. I did think Natalie um, really took over, and um, that might have might not have affected how much I cared about the characters in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
yeah, I, I enjoyed watching all the women on I, screen. I totally did as well, and I thought it was really fascinating to see them. Like they're all they're all of different backgrounds. Like one's a soldier, one's a biologist, oh, one yes. is a. I, I, I've lost my my memory of who mm -hmm. plays what exactly, but they're all scientists of, yes. of various disciplines, and it's interesting to watch that. Um, Come to come to blows because you know you just think to yourself, oh well, okay, they're sending in a research team or they're sending in a platoon, mm -hmm. and they're all just going to go in and do their job. But you forget that within a team or within a platoon, there are specialists, and along with just being wired differently, the specialists are all there for totally different reasons, mm -hmm. and those reasons may or may not overlap. Yes. So, but go, going back to Natalie's character, like I said, I feel she she took over because I feel. She was a biologist, and she was a soldier, mm -hmm. and I think those two things were shown the most with her. Mm -hmm. Like again, I I don't remember what Tessa's character was. I I know they were all scientists, and they might have done one little thing like, oh, this plant is is X, and mm -hmm. and but it really showed. Natalie was a biologist, and she really did have moments where it stood out that she was a soldier. The way she handled her weapons, the way she kind of took charge without fear mm -hmm. the other ones again while they were great I kind of it kind of fell into the background that they were scientists but did they really get to use their skill set or as much as Natalie's character did yeah it's you know that that's kind of one of those things where the mission starts to take a back seat to um, Natalie's um, so sorry Lena's journey of self-discovery because it, mm -hmm. it's it, it's not really a group story it's very much yeah. Lena's story and Kane's story with the group kind of added in there to, to help her along mm -hmm. um, the the team really gets to kind of explore some different things about why they're there why the other teams have failed that's the other thing we forgot to mention in the plot is they are the, there's several teams that have been sent into this space mm -hmm. of of land that's just getting eaten gradually by this shimmer this this glow this weird little you know permeable landmass that that just seems to kind of do something to the sky and make everything go kooky inside um and one of the things that's happened is it's taken out all of these other teams so it leads you to wonder was it something about the team was it something about the landmass was it something about the landmass affecting the team what is it and i i did think that they didn't quite go far enough with exploring why that was making them act differently and why that was making them see things differently because you know you see them all interact before they go mm -hmm. and they all seem reasonably well balanced yeah um one of the soldiers actually goes into detail about why they are all not actually well balanced and why that means why they're there mm -hmm. um but but that's one of those things that the this prism just seems to bring out a little bit more in them um you know we before we get into any of that we've got this look at Kane and Lena's marriage that was what started off the whole story what still comes into play because Kane Kane went in there as well and at a certain point we start to learn what happened to him we are left with a lot of questions about exactly what happened to him but we know that something bad happened to him while he was in there mm -hmm. and that is kept from the group um how did that work for you, like the relationship of Cain and Lena and how that informs what Lena does? And we see Cain a lot through this movie. Oscar Isaac um, has to do a few different things. And Oscar mm -hmm. Isaac, I know you're a fan because you're a fan of, you're certainly <laughs> yes. a fan of, uh, of The Most Violent Year. Um, 
did he bring the goods or is he just kind of mailing it in here? Hmm. Well, for one part, um, again, mentioned at the beginning of the film, he comes back and he's kind of confused. And at first I was like, oh no, is this all we'll get? But we do, um, their marriage does play part of the film. We do get sort of snippets of how things were before he went on his mission. And when that first started out, I was like, oh man, is this where the romantic stuff starts to come in? Mm -hmm. Are they just kind of shoehorning it? And while we do get that, I think it was I think it was really interesting because it does give us answers as to what what his motivations were mm-hmm. on going on this mission. And um, I think he was there he does have one moment of discovery or rather the women kind of have a moment of discovery mm-hmm. in regards to what's happening with him and ooh. That that scene, yeah. It's crazy because it's a, the scene you're talking about is a scene that they watch on a videotape. So when you yes. were talking before about how, um, you know, in All Is Lost, uh, Robert Redford is kind of basically playing off himself. This mm-hmm. is a scene where he's like he's got other actors in it. He's got other soldiers in it to play with, and some and some visual effects that happen at the same time. He's playing to a camcorder. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. this, is, this is a scene that was obviously shot to look like it that they shot it on on their mission and they leave it as a memory card yeah so you kind of you get an idea in that one and he's doing a lot of things at once he's terrified oh he's goodness trying to make a statement it, it's this this footage is left there saying turn back all you enter here yeah um isaac is kind of quickly becoming one of those stamps of approval if yes. i find out that he's <laughs> if i find out that he's in a movie it's like oh i'm going yeah it's probably gonna be good yeah, yeah. um <laughs> And, and yeah, we watch we we watch we watch them a lot. They they do a lot with a little because they don't have a whole lot of scenes together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really do get an idea of what they're in it for. Like they're they're yes. two people who yeah. met in the military. They're two people who know how this all works, but they still need to have an emotional. Yeah, well, and I, I think it was such an underrated aspect what drove her to the mission mm-hmm. and especially what drove him to take on such a, a suicide mission, basically. And again, I was I was taken by surprise. I thought I wouldn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was... I, it, w- it was perfect, yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't too too maudlin. It wasn't too. No, no. I thought I thought it was. While it might not fit in with the whole sci-fi aspect, um, there is a character that is brought in very early on, like a, a coworker, mm-hmm. and who kind of checks up, like, "Hey, well, why? Are you, come on, it's been so long since he's been on this mission." I thought I wouldn't like that. I thought yeah. it was shoehorned to kind of cater to the people who want to see, you know, two lovebirds. But again, it. I thought it was such a great part and it, it's kind of scary because it's like she's she's known this whole time but she wants to confirm is this really what drove him to this mission is it a little bit bananas that he filmed his scenes in between scheduling for uh, for Star Wars like basically during off days he he filmed yep. Annihilation he was, he was doing both at the same time Wow! Crazy. Right? Oh, they kind of. He Oscar does kind of sport the same look. Yeah, he, he, does, <laughs> he does. He doesn't have the beard. No, no. Oh, okay, but, he, but he's but he's got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, does it, does this movie ever get too heady? Um, it's like it, it's times where it seems like it's trying 
to say an awful lot without necessarily saying anything specific. Did you feel that way, what, in the, what is it, the last act or towards the end of the Oh, film? I mean, the last act, I, I gotta be honest, in the last act that we're not getting specific about, mm-hmm. I really had no clue exactly what it was going for. In the last act, we, we could be here, we could dedicate a whole other show <laughs> uh-huh. to, to the last act alone and what it says about self-destruction and what it says about biology and what it says about the environment and what it says about what we do to each other and on and on and on and on. Like, there is just so much going on in that last act. But there's this long conversation about self-destruction mm-hmm. um, and how everybody who's on this team self-destructs in a different way. Uh, and Garland, yes. when we saw it, we saw the same screening and we saw it with Garland there and he mm-hmm. said that he was interested in how we all self-destruct whether it's our careers or actual self-harm or addiction Mm -hmm. or whatever Uh, i just i wonder like i i know how it worked for me but i wonder if if it didn't ever actually if it's got a whole bunch of ideas that it just babbles out kind of like this show without actually (laughs) landing on any one of them (laughs) well it i i felt we were a little spoon-fed um it was it was too it was too loud for me in regards to um all these characters are, have their motivations and reasons why they're on this mission and again it goes back to self-destruction and and why why they might have done this mission because of reasons that relate to self-destruction and it felt a little too in your face in mm. my opinion there's a scene where they're kind of I think it was kayaking or ca- canoeing. I yeah, don't know the yeah, difference. They're, they're rowing through the. They're, they're just rowing. They're, they're moving along <clears throat> with water. Yes, and if I'm remembering correctly, a character just kind of reads it out for yeah. the audience. Yeah. And I think it didn't fit in too well because of the whole ambiguous aura of the whole film, right? And all of a sudden, you have them just kind of slap down on the table and say, oh, "Hey, well, this is kind of why we're here." Yeah, that's it's it's funny because. That's the kind of thing that, if somebody examined it, they would probably be able to pull on these threads. Yeah. But the second that one of them articulates it, it's it, it completely undercuts that actual narrative. Exactly. I, you know, I, for me, I don't know. As just like the, the the first two thirds, I didn't think were that heady. I didn't think they mm-hmm. were that really, um, you know, laced with ideas. The part that we're not going to talk about Mm -hmm. is really where my brain just kind of started to unspool and go into all kinds of crazy directions. And it's it's a difficult... the, the, The success of this movie is it's a difficult line. If you just basically let the ethereal effects take over and the ambience of the movie just start to drive you, then you're getting the audience to do the work. Yes. If you do what you just pointed out and have one character spell it out, because Tessa Thompson also comes in and she spells out something different at the end. That's right. Um, but not even the end. She spells something out just before the third act begins. It, it It's like it doesn't trust us. So mm-hmm. that's it's kind of funny because I think that's the failing of the film is on the one hand it wants us to do a whole bunch of lifting and on the other hand it's like let me just give you a little bit of a hand with that because I don't think you're really going to get it. Uh-huh. Um, Garland is just like front and center in this movie. Garland's got an incredible career that he's put together. Um, again, we heard him talk 
before, or sorry, before and after this screening. Um, he is the guy who brought us Ex Machina. I mean, you've seen that, right? Yes. Okay, good. Definitely he, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, yeah, right, right, good point. He's the, he's the writer and director of Ex Machina. He is also the screenwriter of um, Never Let Me Go and Sunshine, which I mentioned earlier, and 28 Days Later. Um, do you have like any kind of opinions on this guy as an artist yet? Is he a guy who, like J.C. Chandor, will, will bring you to a film or will drive you away from it? Is he a brand, I guess I'm asking? I think... Um, uh, aligned with my personal tastes, if you're able to evoke feelings like dread, like fear, which he has consistently done with with all of his films, mm-hmm. um, then that's what draws me to him. Again, Annihilation, I think he perfectly or even went over um, replicating that dread that he you have an ex machina, like that's a slow burn throughout the film, and then at the end mm-hmm. you're sort of just sitting there like oh my goodness I remember right. I saw that in theaters and that was kind of my the beginning of me trying to watch films outside of the, the mainstream that's a good, place to, that's a good starting yeah, point man. so really you could imagine my confusion I was like oh um, this isn't like a fairy tale ending and again that was so new to me and I think from that was that 2014 two years ago yeah yeah or 2015 or mm-hmm. 2016 even <laughs> oh was it 2016 wow and so <laughs> yeah I think because he is so consistent mm-hmm. with bringing those feelings out of me then yes I he's my go-to and I, I don't think he has uh, black mark on his record yet does he have anything that you didn't like depends on it depends on your take of the third act of sunshine really because because ah. that, that's the one that really goes off the rails in its in its final in its final act um i adore it for what it does what it does for me in the first two completely builds up enough goodwill for its bananas uh final third but garland um it's a little bit wild for me because back when you were still watching tarzan um <laughs> i was reading the beach Oh, which I, I read yeah. eventually in yeah. high school. Um, and, that, and that's who, for a long time, that's who this guy was. He was the guy who wrote The Beach. And he wrote um, another book that didn't do like nearly as big as that because, I mean, The Beach, in a literary context, was was a you know monster. right? Mm-hmm. It's, its movie didn't do it justice for <laughs> how often you would see it around and how much it sold and all that jazz. Um, so he was always like the guy who wrote The Beach. And then when he grew into this at first screenwriter and now director I'm like you're just branching off in any direction that interests you like I'm waiting for his album to drop you know <laughs> um, I, I like the st- I think at the end of the day what it is is I like the stories he tells mm-hmm. um, whether it's from a visual standpoint or as an author or as an, a screenwriter um, he seems fixated on our creations killing us or our creations killing themselves mm. um which I, you know, he doesn't strike me as a technophobe of any no. of any sort, <laughs> but he seems to believe, at least his work would suggest, that we will create our own undoing. You know, and like I mean, it, it, twenty-eight days later is probably the biggest example of that. That mm-hmm. his script for that movie, which you know, Walking Dead wasn't a thing. The zombie yes. movies weren't in the theater every every two or three months it was it was and, it, and i know it's 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 so controversial a film because it's nobody can even agree whether or not they're actually zombies yes you know because they run and <laughs> yeah. it's a disease um he like you said he 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 has become a go-to for me he has 
kind of become a brand, which is kind of crazy to think of a guy who's only directed two movies I know, right? as, as a brand, right? But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, the scripts he writes and the stories he writes, um, he, he said that next thing he's doing is a TV show. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah. Anything, anything. Devs, I think. Was it yeah. Called? Oh, yeah. Devs about yeah. like uh, software developers. He's doing something for FX, which you want to talk about like a brand within a brand. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's my kind of brand. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like I think we're both saying that we really like this movie, um, and and everything that it has to say. It, it's got some flaws, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to where we started, this is a movie that I think people should chase down, and if they can chase it down in a theater like I, you know he here's a british artist whose work yeah. isn't going to screen in his own home country that's kind of a shame and you could tell during the q a he, he was very visibly frustrated or upset with it and um because he said if he had known what was it more than two weeks prior mm-hmm. that his film wouldn't be having a wide release then they would have made a film for a smaller screen but yeah that was that, that's the thing like we we didn't talk about that was also really interesting in that conversation is he is not the kind of person out there and as much as i i love this guy he's not the kind of person out there like christopher nolan saying i make films to be shown in cinema on <laughs> on tactile film and if it's not that it's not he's he said that one of the the best cinematic experience he had in 2017 was The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. You know, was a an eight-part, seven-and-some-hour movie mm-hmm. that was shown in installments at home on your screen. He's like, that was a cinematic experience for me. And I could have done that. I could have done something for Netflix that would have approached what I felt for that. Mm-hmm. But you got to tell me. Yeah, exactly. And again, he, he was very visibly upset with it. Mm-hmm. And... You, you feel for the guy, the way he, he said, if he had known, mm-hmm. if he had known, then maybe it could have been something different. Yeah. But uh, in, at the end, I'm, I'm still happy with, oh, yeah. with the final product. Yeah. So I guess, you know, that, that's kind of the takeaway to kind of bring it back to where we begin is not only do we both think you should see this movie, but see it in a theater if yes. you can. Uh, you know, you've got a nice little space of time here in between <laughs> Black Panther and Wrinkle, Wrinkle in Time. Uh, Go yeah. check out this movie. Um, well, you know, we end every review here on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Adrian, what was your souvenir from uh, Annihilation? You know, I really dug the group of women's outfits. Um, oh, a lot yeah, of people yeah. were saying, oh, Ghostbusters all over again. But I don't know. I just... Maybe that's why I love it. Um, they did have the kind of the brownish um, color on their clothing and just the big backpacks and the, right, the, the look was just really cool. And it, it is, and it, it kind of it didn't take away from any of them. Like you know, they weren't they weren't Tomb Raiders out it, there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it was really focusing on what they were there to do. Um, okay, that's that's a good one. I for me, you know what it is. I like there there's what we we're talking about with oscar isaac earlier um and the, and the video that he leaves behind it's left on a memory card and i'm going through this this weird little moment where i like finding notebooks and memory cards uh. and and those like p- things that contain information mm-hmm. you know i like finding those and going through them and kind of going through the information and yeah. it's uh it's kind of a like pardon the pun it's a snapshot of what was going on at the time that this thing was being used so the 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 fact that it's a memory card um i i i feel 
gross saying this, but I almost want to see what else is on that memory card. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time. I'm going through, like, my desk drawer. It's like, what's on this one? And you oh, find yeah. stuff that you didn't even know. So that would have been my souvenir. I want to, I want that memory card, <laughs> and I want to see what else is on it. I, I'm sure we will not find anything on our memory cards compared to what nope. they <laughs> Nope. Nope. <laughs> Um, what we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. What do you give Alex Garland's Annihilation? I was I was sitting at three and a half. Okay. Out of four, correct? Out of four, yeah. But the risks it took with that last act, I might have to bump it to a four. Okay. Okay. I, I am going to go with a three and a half. I loved the heck out of this movie. It's left me with questions. It's left me wanting to go back. Um, a lot of times, some of the movies I love the most are the ones that... I don't fall completely for on first watch and I go back and I fill in some blanks and that kind of thing so that that's you know like it, I'm only holding back because I'm like I'm going to find some other things as, <laughs> as, I, as I return to it um, but, but both of us obviously really think you should see this movie hey listen maybe you think that we're both nuts maybe you think that this movie is awful or maybe you think that we're not being uh, kind enough to this movie and that it's a modern classic uh, that should be right up there with uh, <laughs> All is Lost um, let me know Ryan at the matinee uh, .ca Twitter where I'm matinee underscore ca or facebook.com slash dark matinee what do you think of Alex Garland's Annihilation we are going to take a very quick break here and come back with a few more movies um so come on back after this we're gonna flip the record over and play the other side we're back He's Adrian. I'm Ryan. It's the other. It's the matinee cast, episode 194, live from Bell Lightbox. Um, we've been talking about Annihilation, and uh, of course, it is not a film within itself. It uh, cribs from a lot of other movies. It inspires many more to come, I'm sure. What, uh, what were some of the titles that you? What was the first one that came to mind of a movie you'd watched uh, on your on your new journey into <laughs> cinema um, when you uh, when you walked away from Annihilation? first one that came to mind was Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. Interesting. Okay. Which now we're tying back, we're, t- we're tying back to the last episode again because <laughs> my guest on the Cloverfield episode was also my guest on the Arrival episode. Oh, so, wow. So it's a weird little kismet. Um, but why, why Arrival? I think they both have that same format where they, they, they present questions to you and you have to be patient with the ride. Now, both of them have those slow burns but I think their endings are just very like vastly different Mm -hmm. and when I say this is that when I stepped away from Arrival and I don't know how you felt about the ending but I felt like it was so fulfilling Mm. I felt like I had transcended (laughs) like it was it was a very complete ending to me and um, I think that contrasts Annihilation's ending. So I think maybe those might be paired well, and you get to see what you enjoy and what you might not enjoy. But I enjoyed both of the endings of those films. I'm also thinking that's also the second Denis Villeneuve movie you've mentioned on this episode. You have you have your you have your guys, huh? Uh, Twenty forty nine. Yeah, no, I I adored Arrival. Um, First of all, I think that we're in an amazing age for sci-fi um, mm-hmm. because we're getting a lot of these movies that 
are standing very much apart from the cheeseburgers of the franchises. And I have nothing against the franchises if, if that's your thing. And I, I enjoy what they do for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I love a good superhero movie as, as much as the next guy, but um, I don't think they say quite as much as a movie like Ex Machina or Arrival or Blade Runner. And mm-hmm. I think these movies these movies can overcome their flaws yes. much more than the the franchises like the franchises just beg for nitpicks just beg for oh i don't understand how this person can fly or why didn't they just go back or why didn't they talk about this look you know there's so much more going on in a movie like arrival um that it just it goes past any little threads that you could pull um both those movies are very handsome um, yes. You know, Annihilation and Arrival are just, they're the kind of movies that I, I, I foresee myself putting on on mute. Like, while I'm doing some of the things that I need to be able to hear, but I want, like, a visual distraction, Yeah, both of those movies are, are really, really gorgeous. And they depend on, as most great sci-fi does, on their characters examining themselves. And they both do a great job of instilling, I think, a wonder is such mm-hmm. a big part and I think they're two very different brands of wonder oh yeah while um, Annihilation it's there's there's a bit of hopelessness in there and um, Arrival did instill hope mm-hmm. and I guess it really makes you question how about outside of that film how about here like is that possible and so yeah I think they're, they're very different films mm-hmm. that follow a similar format yeah it, I mean the, the crazy thing for me with Arrival is I will never ever ever be able to forget that that film dropped uh, the week after Donald Trump was elected no uh, way it did I promise you it did and the theme of a movie where the key concept <laughs> is to listen and to, uh. to, to listen to each other Arrived, pardon the pun, one week after things just really started to unspool. Um, and, and that was, you know, of course, like Brexit was that same year. And it was yes. just like, you know, 2016 was just a, such a mess of just everybody kind of going every which way and culminated in this moment. And along comes this movie that says, you need to listen to each other because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to get nowhere. Like you are all just going to like hit dead ends and anything you want to do unless you listen to each other. So that's, that's a really good one for a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, my first one, now, you know, the way we've been talking across this episode, I was uh, my first thought was, you've probably seen this movie, but now I'm actually thinking you may not have. <laughs> um, so I went back to um, the late 80s for a movie called The Abyss. Have you ever seen this one? No, I have okay. not. So you know the director, because this is a James Cameron movie. Okay, um, then I'm familiar with it, but okay. I haven't, I haven't um, seen it yet. And it's, it's kind of crazy, because among James Cameron's James Cameron movies, it's sort of the outlier. It's the one that didn't become a massive moneymaker. <laughs> yeah. If you are ever like playing box office games and you bet against James Cameron, you are a class A idiot because the man, <laughs> he does some crazy things in his movies and he can't always write, but my God, can he release something that's going to make a ton of cash. Mm-hmm. Except The Abyss. The Abyss is the one that didn't make a whole lot of loot. It's very effects heavy. Um, again, very heady sci-fi. It's about this uh, presence at the bottom of the ocean, at the bottom of the very deepest part of the Pacific Ocean where we still have an entirely 
reach the depths of, of, mm-hmm. of you know the bottom of the sea. There's there's something down there, and teams have tried to go and find it, and, and nobody's come back successful. And they're just they're finding more and more information, and they're just basically trying to get into this abyss and find out what's going on down there. Um, Mary Steenburgen is in this movie. Ed Harris is in this movie. Uh, as I said, James Cameron. Uh, my phone is recording, so I can't look up who else is in this movie. But <laughs> Wait, so this is fictional, because I know fiction. he does have a real fascination. Well, with, um... it was kind of the thing that really got him going, because this was, ah, okay. I mean, this was, to put this into perspective, this came out, this movie came out before Terminator 2, came out before Titanic, came out okay. before True Lies, um, which is another one of his little outliers that people forget about. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was his kind of middle ground in between the two Terminator movies, and yeah, he wasn't yet the Titanic guy who was always down in his little submarine. Um, so I, I don't. That's the one thing I don't know. I don't know if it fostered his interest in the ocean or if he already had one and he thought I could build a story around this. Okay. Um, but it's another story where a team goes into an area that holds mystery. And their resolve is tested, and, and their their dedication to the mission is tested. And what I liked about this one is that it's one of the few I could think of where that mission is not into space, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's usually what happens. Um, this movie was also, you know, the effects in Annihilation, which we didn't talk about, but wow, yes. did they look good? Um, this was a movie that was actually also really. Um, influential with effects, the 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 liquid um, metal Terminator in Terminator yes. Two yep. that was developed after the Abyss. The Abyss was the first one to kind of have that liquid CGI mm. uh, thing, and it was just kind of used in one scene. And he's like, "Okay, now I know what I'm going to do with that track." <laughs> um, so I think you'd like it, like, like oh, talking no. about talking about Annihilation and talking about um, Arrival. Um, the Abyss is kind of a movie that a lot of people have forgotten about. With time, I mean, you know, you mentioned James Cameron, and people people don't usually think about that movie at all. Yeah, um, it's 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 definitely a good one that I think would marry up, and uh, and not an obvious one. Like you were there when we were having a very 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 long argument, circular argument about blind spots. Yes, at the bar, this is yes. not the kind of movie that I would consider that. If somebody had said they hadn't seen the Abyss, I'd be like, oh okay, get to it. But I'm not going to be like it's one of the greatest movies ever. But it is mm-hmm. a really good one. Did you? Well, what else did you have as a, as another side? for uh, Annihilation. Stalker. Did you not draw any comparisons to Stalker? I haven't seen Stalker. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm the rookie here. I know, I know. And you know, it's, it's, if Bob Turnbull is listening to this show, he is laughing at my ass so wow. hard. Because after going at him tooth and nail about what I've yes, seen and, and how many things such as I've seen, you, yeah, and, and, uh, and you, it's not like you, you know, you came armed with that one. Um, no. Okay, I'm, so so t- I, I, I just know of Stalker. I, I don't even actually really entirely know what it's about. So tell people who also may not be all that familiar with Tarkovsky. <clears throat> Um, what the movie is about and where you think it makes a good marry up. And I'm going to make a note that I need to really move that up the queue while you tell people. <laughs> just, it's so funny, just to backtrack, um, for, um, to, I was supposed to answer a film, that an essential film that I might not have seen. And I was going to say, oh, the only Tarkovsky I haven't seen was Stalker. Uh, the only Tarkovsky I've seen was Stalker. I still haven't seen his other stuff. Well, <laughs> looks like well you're Well done, you're yes. <laughs> Um, well, Stalker, to put things... Again, it's a very complex film. 
But to summarize, it's about these people who want to go into a closed-off area called the zone. And they, the reason why it's closed off is because these very mysterious things happen within this area. And they're told there's a certain part in the zone that'll fulfill all your desires. And that, uh, that element of going into a closed-off area really, really reminded me of Annihilation. Mm -hmm. I'd always prayed for a, a sequel, uh, or at least a spiritual sequel to Stalker, because it's not a very visual film. Um, okay. So you you always wonder, oh, w what would happen if they if they do step out of line? And um, while Annihilation, they visually they feed us a whole meal, and it, there's just so much to take in. So, mm. uh, which is why I thought of Stalker. I thought of Annihilation. I'm like, hey, this is kind of the stalker I've been waiting for. So you you really need to see it. I was uh, clearly so, yeah. I, I, I was I, I, so like, prepared. I swear, if I did if if I didn't know, I'd swear that you completely <laughs> set me up and that you were trolling my ass. And I I was so I mean again I assumed you'd seen it, but there I feel like there are so many comparisons to be made between these two films. It's okay. it's uncanny. Okay. That, and you got you got to see it. And please please let me know because <laughs> I, I I absolutely will. <laughs> so I, you know the first question I got to ask is how long is it? Because Tarkovsky does not exactly make brief films. <laughs> I forgot to say I I dread long films. Oh, do you? I I salivate when I see something that's like. 85 minutes oh okay <laughs> so, i'm usually okay with that but i mean i, I pref if i can i prefer to see it in a theater because exactly. I, I don't want to i don't want to exactly. i don't want to leave like i'm, I'm like if I'm, if I'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this let's let's go yeah. you know yeah. I'm, I'm the guy who went and saw ex libris at the, at the blur because oh, i was like three hours goodness. and 20 minutes about a library i'm in let's go let's yeah sit down. a three-hour film at home will take me a week yeah so yeah, um, I know. Yeah, but okay. yeah Tarkov's um stalker's runtime is maybe 180 minutes i think um so so it is three hours. Yes. Damn. <laughs> but see, that's that's why I haven't seen that. What is an investment, man? I, I again, I dread long films, but I feel if they end up being worth it, I will okay. totally. I'm all for it. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it is one that I've been meaning to see for a long time. It's one that's played here a few times, yes, so I really yeah. have no excuse. And for all I know, it's coming back. I should probably look up the listings and see. I, if I wish I'd showing. known it was playing here because a, a week prior I bought it. Okay. And I I sat through it at home, and then I found oh you could have just sat in the comfort of a theater with no distraction. Maybe I like that. That's the thing. It's it's one that they kind of. I'm pretty sure they're bringing some Tarkovsky. Um, I, I may edit that part out if I'm completely mistaken, but um, I will look. And if that is one of the ones they're bringing, I will make sure that I, I, I get my hands on it. It's widely available, so I'm, I'm, I will remedy this quickly. I've made a note. My show note for episode 194 is Stalker. Watch it. Um, okay, well, time for me to show something again. Um, I had another more recent film that this one reminded me of, and we kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, is a film that is an adapted screenplay also by Alex Garland. And that's Never Let Me Go uh, from a few years ago. I want to say that one was from 2010. Um, mm. it, was, it was from several years ago now. Um, Carrie Mulligan is in that movie. Uh, um, Andrew. Andrew Garfield yes. is in that movie. Donald Gleason is in that movie. There's somebody... Oh, Kira Knightley is mm. in that movie playing very much against type yes, for Knightley yeah. because she has kind of become this... Uh, you know, kind of favorite go-to for uh, classic literature characters. Like, she's the one that you go, you, you know, if you're making an Anna Karenina, go get Kira Knightley, because she'll be your Anna Karenina. And 
it's another one of these sci-fi movies where it all seems very grounded, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's the kind of thing I like is we're now at an age where a lot of the sci-fi is very, um, very conceptual. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had to go, so we were talking earlier about 1988 films. In 1988, if you were making a movie about, and actually there was one that was made very close in there. If you were making a movie in the late 80s about the early, the the early-ish part of the new millennium, you had flying cars, yeah. and you had screens everywhere, and you had kooky fashion and that kind of thing. And Never Let Me Go is a story that amalgamates them a little bit more. There's some tech, but there's but everything still looks reasonably normal pretty yeah pretty much the and, same yeah, yeah. and it, and it's a sh- and it's a story about how our technological advancement has been able to prolong our lives mm-hmm. uh, have you seen it yes sure? okay yeah. so yeah. so you know what i'm getting into here yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's you know so this is this one is not an original alex garland story it's not like 28 days later or mm-hmm. like uh, ex machina this is more this type of story where he's taking an established work and translating it now this movie, Annihilation, was a very crazy approach because he read the book one time and basically right. just wrote the screenplay from memory. So if you, when you get to the end of that book, you're going to notice it's starkly different from what you watched. I mean, screen. right off the bat, it's already very, very, yeah, very yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> the reverse of that is Never Let Me Go. Never Let Me Go oh. might as well have been pulled from the Ishiguro. Like, he might as well just have taken are you, that. Are screen. you familiar with the original? Yeah, I love it. I've read oh, it. I've okay, read, it's, read it. It's a okay. fantastic book. So that's the other thing, too. So if somebody's looking for, like, another side that, that crosses media, mm-hmm. I'd say, like, pick up the Ishiguro book of Never Let Me Go, or, you know, pick up one of Alex Garland's books. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I liked his approach in that book because that story and the way he approached it had to do with... Um, rebellion, because there the danger is clear and present. Yes. Um, yeah. For these clones. Yes. You know, it's 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 a school of engineered pseudo humans that are only built for their are their organs to be harvested, and their lifespan is so short that most of them don't make it past thirty. Uh, most of them don't make it past three harvests, um, and the question of that story is. Why don't they push back? You know, so it's it's the kind of thing that somebody could look at in annihilation. Is in annihilation, why don't they leave? Why do they keep sending them in? Yeah. You know, like why don't they? And Garland actually had a really good answer for that. He's like, this is what happens in life. People will see the circumstances that they are facing, and they just don't fight it. They 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 have it in them mm. that they they have it in them that this is what their fate is, mm-hmm. and. They're not always going to rise up as much as you might want them to, you know, to use a modern metaphor to tackle the gunman. Yeah. They're not going to. Hmm. Yeah, I did see that theme President Never Let Me Go. I, I, it totally flew over my head with mm. Annihilation that, you know, they keep, there is that question, why couldn't they just let it be? But they keep sending people in over and over again. So, hmm. well, I mean, even, even with that team, like, so, so the team in Annihilation, um, they get in there and they camp and they wake up and they realize they've lost time. Right? Yes. They wake up and they say, "We've been here for at least a few days." It feel I know we've all talked about this. We know it feels like we just got here yesterday. All evidence in front of us says no. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking about it logically, if you're one of the people who wants to pull on this movie and say, "Why doesn't this part work?" 
at that point they should have turned around. Yes. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I understand why they went in there because they keep losing teams. But at that point, you'd be like, you're scientists. You've just had a really big evidential slap in the face. Yeah. All of the facts tell you something is up. You need to go back and talk about this. But mm-hmm. nope, we're just going to keep on going because we're human and that's what we do. Yeah. Did you have any others that uh, that you thought of with uh, with Annihilation? Or um, I did tack on 28 Days Later. Only... I mean, that's, a good, that's a good one. Again, Alex, Alex Garland. Both Alex Garland, but just the contrast of how high octane mm-hmm. 28 Days Later was. So if you know, you get a bit of breathing room with Annihilation, and then it kind of just jumps at you, while, from what I remember, 28 Days Later is just, just keeps on going. Keeps on going. <laughs> that is a movie I, uh, you know, we talked off the top of this show about the cinematic experience. That is a movie I am so thankful I saw in a theater, because wow. it just, just destroyed me. You know, like, I, oh, I was man. really grateful that that was a movie that I saw in the middle of the day so that by the time it was over I could walk back out into sunshine and be like it's okay it's okay you know it 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 wasn't it wasn't a bunch of names right like yes, it, it was a yeah. movie it kind of I'd heard about it for a few months because it, it was in England before it got to North America like I think mm-hmm. it, it appeared there in the spring or in the winter and then it got here in like May of 2003 and so I, I knew it was coming and roughly what it was about, but I wasn't prepared. That must have been an incredible oh, experience. That's great. And that's, <laughs> I, you know, like, that, that's the thing I guess we're talking about is with these movies is just kind of surrendering yourself over to whatever it's going to throw at you. Um, yeah, no, 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 that, that's a great one. <laughs> I can't possibly beat that. So I think we'll leave that as the ending note. Um, uh, and that it's about it for episode 194 of the matinee cast i'd like to thank adrian for coming by thank you for having uh, me. my pleasure we're gonna be back on march 12th for episode 195 i'm not quite sure yet what we're gonna talk about we might talk about thoroughbreds if i can track that down and again find somebody who's seen it something um, that was actually i enjoyed <laughs> I, I didn't get to see it yet so I'm, I'm looking forward to that we might talk about a wrinkle in time as well um but uh, we'll see how that goes um but do come back on march 12th for whatever we've got on episode 195 um hey while i'm at it i'm also looking for ideas for what i should do with the 200th show i've had a few ideas in my mind but i can't seem to settle on anything so if you have a thought about what i should do for the big 200 um send it to me um you adrian can be found on twitter talking about film where can people find you on that wonderful platform of social media um alder war a-l-d-e-r-w-a-r uh, on Twitter, and then I mean, I have a link there to my letterbox if there you're using go. that wonderful Your app. icon is Saoirse Ronan. Oh, it actually after Annihilation, it switched to Natalie. Portman. Oh, there we go. How about that? <laughs> so yeah, if you see, if you see Natalie Portman, you're going in the right direction. My site, of course, is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can go to thematinee.ca/podcasting. You can also find your episodes on um, Google Play. You're welcome, Paulo. Blueberry, Apple's Music Store. Stitcher Radio as well, and I'm sure there's more areas that I'm forgetting. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Annihilation, The Abyss, Never Let Me Go, Stalker, or any other movie that I should have seen by now um, can be left uh, in the comment section of the site. You can email me, ryan at thematinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore ca, or facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, sir? See Annihilation in theaters. <laughs> in case we haven't <laughs> wailed on that point enough, for Adrian, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.